Welcome to Monster Porn, Weird Fiction and Horror Podcast. The podcast that wonders. If this world is a prison, where are the conjugal visits? Today's story is The Banner House by Matt Cummins. Monster baiters, welcome to Monster Porn Podcast, the podcast that only has porn in its name. <laughs> sure it does. Can somebody get him out of here, Jesus! Ah, oh, man, I am, I am sorry about that. We have a, we have an occasional creep infestation. Good day, monster baiters. Brett here. Case in point. The podcast that only has porn in its name and its heart. Matt, what's new? Halloween is coming. <laughs> Halloween is coming. And so are we. <laughs> oh, yes! Uh, get him out of here! Ah, oh, man. Okay, well, if you want to help the show this Halloween season, then you know what to do. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. That's right. We appreciate all the ways that you support us. Help us spread the porn this Halloween season. <laughs> it's like the, the 4th of July, but with oh, uh, spunk sparklers and oh, 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 Roman-ass candles. Get out of here! <laughs> Tentacles! Jesus. Okay, uh, where were we? We are a fiction podcast, not porn. Uh, Brett, do you have anything else? Do the... Do the fireballs launch out or in? All right, onto the show. Brett, why are you robbing a grave? I prefer to think of it as borrowing, Matt. What we have all returns to dust. Bodies belong to the earth, not to people. I don't know that that will hold up in court. Seriously, though. What weird shit are you doing that you're poking around in the cemetery with a shovel? Or do I not want to know? If you'll remember, I'm dead. Yes, and somehow I thought I'd have to deal with your shenanigans less after the funeral. Well, I'm still searching for my way back from death, Matt. And to do that, I will need a new body. You burned mine on the Viking-style funeral pyre while he made s'mores. But, Brett, this is a 5'2", 100-pound bikini model's body. Yes. What? She's not using it. Oh, God. You're going to possess this body. That's your plan, isn't it? And why not? It's a fantastic body. I'm sure you agree. Well, yeah, from the photo that somebody left near the grave, that's obvious. But you're not a girl. Isn't this a little bit weird? You know what they say. If you can't date them, join them. No one says that. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it'll be like having a girlfriend, 
Except I will also be the girlfriend. Okay, you've succeeded. I am sorry, I asked. I'm gonna go home and cry from the deep-seated horror and discomfort now sewn into my psyche. Oh, I just struck wood. Time to see what she looks like. Help me pry the lid, would you? Well, maybe I'll stick around for a moment. Do you suppose she was wearing a bikini when she was married? Oh, absolutely. Here, hand me the cat claw. Oh, what the fuck is that? That is not a bikini model. Hmm. It appears to be a moldy old teddy bear missing its button eyes. Oh, God, that's creepy as hell. Just laying there in a bed of rose petals. This is weird, dude. Why is there a creepy teddy bear? Hold on. I'm trying to decide whether this changes my plan. Hold on, there's something going on down there. Oh, what? Oh, God! Oh, I just sat up. Good morning, teddy bear. What is your name? I am Teddy Gorstaff. He who breaks the rectum of mortals. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh. What? Brett, what are you doing on your phone? Oh, I'm looking him up on eBay. Sometimes these old toys are worth some money. The market is really picking up, Joey said from behind his computer. Zeke looked up from some paperwork he was shuffling through. It was a listing contract he was preparing for a pair of new clients. A young couple listing a single-wide trailer out on a 40-acre tract of land. The land was livable if you could deal with a treeless, rattlesnake, and sagebrush-plagued tract on the wind-burned side of the county. The trailer was a burn pile waiting for a match. Oh, yeah, seems to be. Zeke tossed the pile of papers onto his desk and looked up at the ceiling. A small wrinkle in the drywall where the peak of the vaulted ceiling met the exterior wall meant there could be water damage. It had been there for a while, but it may have been sagging a little more than it had before. Zeke hadn't said anything to Leonard, the broker, who he had worked for for Atlas Real Estate. He didn't find himself worrying about letting someone know of a potential roof leak. Instead, Zeke was thinking about a dream he'd had the night before that was hanging around in his head like a mist. He dreamt he was in bed, in a familiar room. Next to him was another small twin bed with a cedar frame, like the one he found himself in. The tall blonde girl he dated in high school was in the bed next to him, nearly begging him to have sex, but it wasn't quite right. She smiled at him. Not quite unlike the way she once had, but there was a glint of knowledge in those eyes that turned her large smile into something more like a grin. And when she finally touched him, he sat up in bed, sweating and groaning. He was terrified and uh, erect. A conflict of sensation he'd never before considered and was loath to experience again. Yeah, man, the market is hot. Especially for anything under 300k. The absorption rate is a 2. And up to 500? It's under a 3, Joey exclaimed. Zeke was aware of how hot the market was, but he was more aware of how few sales he'd had. He'd done alright on listings, which meant he had a paycheck, but he didn't feel like he was doing much. A lot of being a realtor was nothing more than acting like a gateway to the multiple listing service, or MLS a directory of homes currently for sale. 
The previous year, Zeke had sold 25 homes, or so he could claim, but truthfully, he listed 20 of them. His uncle had done a development. He'd put up 15 manufactured homes onto small lots on the edge of town, like a trailer park where the tenants also owned the properties. They sold like hotcakes at a carnival. There was a massive, growing need for bottom-of-the-market housing for young homebuyers. As his uncle Bill had once told him, All the billionaires are moving to Jackson and sending the millionaires over to Sheridan. This exodus of exiles from the gentrification from the upper class to the extremes of upper class had led Sheridan to the problem of having little more than a single-wide trailer on an eighth-acre lot costing just over 180 grand. He'd been grateful for the listings, but he felt like he didn't deserve the money he was making from them. After the commissions had been pared down by the split between brokerages and Atlas Real Estate's cut, Zeke ended up making 70000 not including his other work. For a realtor in his fifth year, it was a big deal. People noticed him, but he didn't feel like he had earned it. Instead of putting on the successful face and owning it, Zeke found that he resented the idea of his success. He felt like a phony. Man, when are you going to jump into the action? You got to follow up that breakout year, man, Joey said. And there it was, the acknowledgement of Zeke's down numbers. Just waiting for the right listing, uh, getting sick of packing people into trailers, Zeke said. Well, look at the time. I think I'm going to go down to the brewery and try that new beer. All right, I'll see you tomorrow, my man. Remember, you're only as awesome as you think you are. Joey exclaimed with a forced smile that wasn't far from the grin in Zeke's nightmare. That night, Zeke didn't go to the brewery. Instead, he went home, cracked open a beer, took a few sips, and then dumped it. He went to the cupboard and pulled out a small pill bottle full of weed he'd bought in Oregon two years before that was still half full. He took the $5 pipe out of his pocket and packed the bowl full of weed, raised it to his lips, let the sweet and musky smell of marijuana fill his nostrils. Nostalgia like a swift undertow took him out into a sea of past memories. College dorm rooms and late-night gaming sessions, the first party hand job in the back room of his buddy's apartment at the end of his freshman year, country roadies and summer music festivals. Then the tide came back in, and he crashed into the shores of a lonely night at 35 years old. He'd had a fiancé, and on the eve of his 31st birthday, he'd found a note that said, I met someone else. And now she was married with two kids. The first one looked suspiciously like him, from what he could tell from Facebook photos, but that was all the thought he allowed himself to put in. His fiancé had been, well, different. But it was his first serious relationship after college, and he'd asked her hand in marriage because when you've been with a girl for a year and a half, and you're nearly 31, that is what you're supposed to do. It didn't matter that he knew it wasn't authentic love. His first girlfriend, Beth, had been the measuring stick that he measured all women against. She was beautiful and affluent. She was smart and ambitious. She was a social climber. She was needy in private aloof in public, and narcissistic to an extreme. When her friends freshman year told her how hot they thought he was, she showered him with affection. When another guy came along, he was old news and put out on the curb like yesterday's trash. 
Then, on summer breaks, when they got the band of their high school friends back together, Beth would come apart at the seams when she saw the way that her friends acted around an available Zeke. Unbeknownst to her, the very fact of her being beautiful and rich made Zeke desirable to her friends, and thus, they'd laid it on thick when she was around. Zeke remembered the first time that they'd been at their friend Amanda's house. Amanda had planted herself squarely on Zeke's lap while they all watched a movie. There was nothing going on, and not really. But at the age of 19, whenever the boys and girls got together, there was a lot of touching. It was just part of being that age. Beth had never had to deal with this before. Zeke had been off limits because as long as they had all known each other, they had been a thing. Now he was a free agent, and in that way, he was a novelty to the other girls. They'd never been able to openly flirt with him before, and hey, how could she get mad? She had a new boyfriend, after all. By the third week of that summer, Zeke found himself cornered by a trembling, bloodshot-eyed Beth who blubbered at him, Do, do you still love me? Drunkingly sobbing between each word. But as crazy as Beth had been in her own way, she was nothing like the Beth he dreamed about. A Beth that always seemed to be trying to get to him. Trying to make him let her in in some way. But it wasn't so much Beth as the place. It was the room in the house that he'd grown up in. Of all of the rooms, it was the room. The one he'd finally got when his older siblings moved out. Not the one that he'd lost his virginity in. No, that happened before the negative net migration of kids in the household. But it was the room where all of the exploration took place. It was the room with the window that looked out over the mountains on summer nights. It was the room where he could game into the wee hours of the morning and no one would notice, and better yet, no one would care. It was his room, and the house was his house, a house that his father had built with his own two hands. As a contractor's son in a family that moved often, it was the room that he remembered the most fondly, but no one would ever be able to glean that from the details of his dreams. In his dreams, this room was dark and demonic. If he dreamed of this house, he would dream of ghosts and of hauntings and of demons all in the upstairs bedroom. He would dream of horrors without trying to come within. Zeke put down the bowl of unsparked bud and looked out the window. The sun was setting outside, and he'd passed another evening alone. He sat down to go to bed, and, like always, he became a realtor again just before sleep. All of the duties and responsibilities he'd put off during the day flooded his mind, and he broke out in a cold sweat, thinking of the paperwork to be done and the clients to be called. The urgency of his work set in around him on the cusp of sleep, and sometimes it was so loud that he had to tune it out by gaming or binging a Netflix series. He found the new season of Stranger Things and picked up where he left off, hoping the show hadn't succumbed to the curse of its own popularity. Five minutes further in, and he knew that it had. Ten minutes further, he was asleep. Zeke found himself walking along the banks of a river, somewhere along I-90 in Montana. Traveling from Sheridan to Seattle, he decided to stop and go camping. Friends were with him, but he kept losing track of them, and he focused instead on finding water to fish. He found a spot on the edge of a bank, 
but instead of a river, he found himself looking into the depths of a crystal clear pond. There were fish of all shapes and sizes moving through the water, and the water was indistinguishable from the air above it. The only sign that there was in fact water was that there were fish swimming down below the bank. He cast his line in, and a splash came out of the clear nothing. A strange orange and purple fish took the lure, but suddenly Zeke wasn't fishing anymore. He was sitting in his old house, on the leather couch next to the wagon wheel coffee table. He got up and went across the carpeted living room, the blue light of the television reflecting off of the tongue-and-groove woodwork on the walls. He stepped past the entryway and into the kitchen, where the clock on the oven read 12.30. It was after midnight. Zeke went to the breakfast nook and looked out the bay windows to see that the porch light was on out front. He would have to go turn that off, and the feeling was so strong that he nearly ran to do it. He would turn off the porch light and then lock the doors before going upstairs to his room, but something about that idea didn't sit well either. There was something about the room that stirred deep within him, but it didn't rise to his mind. Zeke began to turn the lock on the door when he was struck by the sudden urge to go outside. He opened the door and found it surprisingly bright out. The light came from a lamp hanging down in front of the highway. Zeke searched his memory for this lamp, but there was no memory to be found. It was as though all that existed was this street and this lamp. Now, further down the street, no, highway, a figure was moving closer but it was in the shadows on the other side of the hill, coming down the highway. How could he know it was there or sense its movement when he clearly couldn't see it? He didn't know, nor did he question. It simply was. He went back inside and then went through the living room and down the hallway. He passed the office and turned left to go upstairs to his room, but when he made it through the laundry room to the short staircase on the other side, it was like he walked into a different atmosphere, one that was heavy and strange. He broke out in goosebumps as the air felt thicker. Then, as he looked up the stairs, something like a rotting sausage slithered behind the love seat in the nook at the top of the stairs. Oh, it was a tail, Zeke thought. And then the bedroom door creaked open and a gust of wind brushed across his face. He looked up to see a book, the King James Bible he'd grown up with in his nightstand, with the reddish-brown cover, the color of dried blood, floating in the air in front of him. He tried to scream, but all that came out was the sound like a thousand nails grinding against a chalkboard. He sat up out of bed, covered in sweat and shaking. Hey, man. Joey said as Zeke walked into the office. Joey was slurping down some kind of noodle dish, and he licked his fingers. Zeke could see white bits of food and the shine of grease on Joey's goatee. Hey, Zeke said. Uh, you got a call this morning, Joey said. Somebody got a referral for you and wants to, wants to check out a new listing. It's out on 87. Uh, the one near, uh, what is that, the old bird farm road? Zeke was just about to sit down at his computer, but instead he stopped halfway to his seat and stared at Joey. What? Joey said. A noodle fell from his chin. 
Who in the hell eats noodles before nine in the morning, Zeke thought, but instead said, I grew up in a house out there. My dad built it. What's the address? I can't remember. Let's see. Oh, here's the listing. Joey turned his monitor around and sure as shit, there it was, the house. The house that Zeke grew up in and remembered so fondly and yet which he had been plagued by nightmares ever since moving. Yeah, that's my old house. The Banner House, Zeke said. Is it occupied? Ah, uh, nope, Joey said. But the note says that there's some belongings left. I don't know, staging, perhaps. Man, you lived out there? Yeah, for like six or seven years. Why? Zeke asked. Man, that's out on the old Bozeman Trail. A slaughter happened there, you know, like right in that area. Really? Zeke asked. He knew the part about the trail, but he hadn't considered the slaughters, which was strange now that he thought about it. The whole area had monuments here or there dedicated to some battle between settlers and tribes. Yeah, there is uh, a house that a buddy of mine swears is haunted by some chief, a um, bird with dead legs or some shit. He lived there for six months. Mom went nuts and they moved. Bad energy there, man. Cool house, though. Zeke thanked Joey and went to his desk where he found the note that read, Please call Linda Robertson to set up a showing for the Highway 87 property. At the bottom of the note, Zeke found a phone number. He dialed and there was a crackling sound on the line as though he were calling an old landline. Or perhaps there was a bad connection on the phone. Just then, something moved behind the wastebasket in the corner of the room, and he could have sworn it was that same fleshy, sausage-like tail from his dream the night before. Hello? A woman's voice answered on the line. Zeke stood up from his desk and walked slowly toward the wastebasket. Hello, the woman said again. Is there anybody there? Zeke looked down over the wastebasket and something twitched and then he saw it. Just like in his dream, something slithered behind the wastebasket, only smaller this time. Zeke cried out and dropped the phone as a mouse scampered out from behind the basket. Zeke shook his head and laughed at himself. These dreams were making him crazy, he thought. He bent quickly and scooped up his phone. Hi, Linda, he asked. Oh, hello, the voice answered. And who am I speaking to? This is Ezekiel, or Zeke, Zeke started to say. Oh, yes, Linda cut him off. With Atlas Real Estate, I'm glad you called. I have a three-hour break in my schedule right now. Could you show me the property on 87? Oh, uh, well, yeah, let me check with the seller and see if we can get in. I'm sure it won't be a problem. Let's plan on 2.30. I'll, uh... I'll text you at this number if I hear otherwise. Alice did say you'd be on the ball. Uh, thanks, I'll see you soon, she said and hung up. She must have been referring to Alice Williams, a past client of Zeke's. Zeke scheduled the showing and then went and looked at the pictures online. It was his old house, the one he'd spent the majority of his years from sixth grade to the first two years of college. He supposed that it was less than 20 years old? But it looked unchanged. The vanities were the oak-trimmed vanities with green formica tops and porcelain sinks. The tile that looked to have the texture of brick, but the feeling of porcelain were there. The paint was even the same antique cream color, and the herringbone wallboards on the walls and ceiling in the living room remained unchanged. It was like looking at a snapshot of his memories, shadow-boxed photographs of his younger years, but with the life removed. The feeling of nostalgia was nearly unbearable when he finally showed the place. He showed up five minutes early, and she was right on time. In the five minutes he stood there, staring at the house being flooded with memories, 
He remembered his father framing in the interior kitchen walls while Zeke played in the garage. He gripped a stud on the deck of the house to pull himself up into the interior from the garage when his hand slid down and caught a shiner, a nail that had curled up and out of the wood. His hand dripped blood all over the subfloor as he looked for a box of rags. It hurt, and he didn't like the amount his hand bled, but the fact that he had cut his hand on a job site made him feel like he had done something manly. When the house was nearly finished, after school and on the weekends, he and the family would all load up in his dad's pickup and go work on the trim and staining. Zeke remembered that he was able to bring his friend Jessica along. She was a year younger, but also played on the basketball team. It was in the upstairs room where they were playing with the door open when she kissed him. Her mouth was sticky and tasted like the cherry sucker she had been sucking on. The kiss itself was sloppy and messy. She immediately put her tongue in his mouth, and they embraced awkwardly and fumbled around with each other. They were just trying to do what they had seen done in the movies. Zeke could remember the time he and his brothers made a video, back in the days when you needed a real camcorder, and parodied the Blair Witch Project with a video titled The Scary Witch Project. After they recorded the video and did the small bit of editing that could be done directly on the camcorder, they played the video for their mom and dad who didn't seem to understand what was happening or why they thought it was so funny. Then there was Beth, the high school girlfriend with whom he'd spent so many moments in this house, making out on the front steps while watching the stars the first time he ever saw a breast, the first time he'd ever made love. There were fights and breakups. There were those tenuous moments when they came back from college and she had already started dating someone else, but they got together at his house anyways. There were long four-wheeler rides up and down the county roads, games of basketball, and long conversations where she would talk and he would mostly listen. The memories of that place were overwhelming. A gray Cadillac sedan pulled up and a fit-looking blonde lady stepped out. She smiled at him and then looked at the house. Zeke could see a small bit of hesitance or disappointment flash across her face, and she said, Hi, how are you? I'm Linda. It's, it's nice to meet you. Zeke smiled as he formally introduced himself to her. But the glance, that insinuation that his house, built by his father's hands, wasn't up to her expectation, made him decide that she was a bit of a cunt. I like the sighting, she said as she slowly released his hand. But why is the front door blue? It actually ties into the color of the gravel and the roofing material. Instead of your average gray, weathered wood color of shingle, these have a blue tint, which is meant to reflect the mountains in the sky. Okay, she said slowly, giving him a look between coy and appraising. They went into the entryway, where she complained about the color of the tile, but saved face with a compliment of the log mantle above the fireplace. Zeke's sweat had stained that log, dripping into it and blending with the sawdust as he hauled a floor sander back and forth across it one late August afternoon as a 16-year-old. Her opinion of the rest of the house was lukewarm, and Zeke decided that though she had pretty eyes and perky tits, she also wore too much makeup, had perfume that reminded him of someone's grandmother, and the lines around her eyes were harsher than he'd realized. Well, it's, it's okay, she said as they were about to leave. I might be interested in making an offer on this one. No, you won't, 
Zeke thought, because I'm going home to write an offer for myself. A big, fat, full offer with some cash down. Zeke wasn't sure if that was ethical, to compete with your own client, but how often did anyone research who was putting in the competing offer? Besides, he hadn't signed any paperwork to represent this woman yet. He was just showing her a property. Zeke cracked open a beer and sat on his couch. He scrolled through Facebook on his iPhone, watching posts from pages he once liked or advertisements that had been tailored by algorithms fed by information he didn't realize he'd been duped into giving. He hadn't seen an actual post from anyone he knew for several minutes now. He was just about to close the app when a picture of Beth came up. She was blonde and beautiful like she had been back then. She even had the same easy smile. She'd yet to put on the weight around the hips that so many of the women Zeke's age had because she hadn't had kids, though she was married. The part that bothered Zeke about looking at Beth was not that she had changed or had married. No, in fact, she looked exactly as she had years ago. But looking at her, he couldn't connect to the feeling he'd once had for her. At one time, seeing her and being with her was like being close to a current of electricity that was dangerous and intoxicating. Now, she was just a pretty face and a fond memory. How did he not remember how tragic their relationship had always felt? He wondered if it had all been a hormonal response of dating someone when you were in high school and in your early 20s. Ah, Christ, he said as he sipped his beer. If he could feel so flat about someone he'd once loved with more urgency than he'd ever felt before or since, then how could he ever believe in anything as fairy tale as finding the right one? Maybe that wasn't in the cards for him. What was in the cards for him was his old house, the one for which his offer was sent. Zeke walked down the hallway, looking across and into the kitchen and dining room. He stepped down onto the carpet and felt it beneath his toes, just as he'd remembered it, firm but still soft. In the living room, he walked behind the leather love seat, which stood between him and the wagon wheel coffee table. He tried to ignore the antelope mount on the wall. There had once been a time when he'd had a strange night terror about it coming alive and looking at him. But he didn't want to think about that, not now. He did want to raid the fridge, though. That was why he was going to the kitchen, wasn't it? He hesitated as he nearly entered the kitchen. Finding himself now confused about why he needed to go in there, suddenly he wanted some fresh air. Needed it, in fact. Zeke turned to the front door, opened it, and stepped outside. What he saw wasn't right. There hadn't been steps like that before, had there? For some reason, the front steps were now concrete stairs that went down to the highway, and the highway looked more like a street with the street lamp and all. Why would there be a street lamp out on the highway miles away from town, he thought to himself. Just then, a figure walked beneath the light. It was a man, he thought, wearing a long leather trench coat and had a matching black leather backpack. He walked with sort of a hunched back and a hurried gait. He was heading east on the highway. No, 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 Zeke thought as every synapse in his body overloaded with fear to the point where he found himself frozen on the steps. That isn't supposed to be here, he thought. 
What did that mean, though? He wondered to himself. This man, this, this thing, this passerby stopped and lifted his head, tasting the air. The whole night seemed to go silent in anticipation. Then it turned on him. Looking him dead in the eyes, Zeke didn't know how he could make eye contact so directly from such a distance, but the man, the passerby, it locked eyes with him and ran towards him with a look of undeterred focus coming up the steps. Zeke wanted to get away. He needed to. He thought that if he could just open his eyes, he would... He would what? Weren't his eyes open already? It was such a stupid thought, and the man was closer now. Zeke could see his red page line haircut, mustache, and goatee. He wore leather fingerless gloves, and he was running at Zeke like there was nothing else in the world but him. Zeke's legs began to move, as if he were stepping backward through a thick gelatin. Every movement was like that of a bug in a bottle of molasses. Zeke turned, his eyes never leaving the man's face. The man was ten steps away. Zeke found the handle and pulled. The man was five steps away. Shit! Turn it! Zeke turned the knob, pulled, and stepped in. The man reached for him. Now, at the top step, Zeke slammed the door and woke up. The day of the closing, Zeke went to the bar and grabbed a six-pack. He decided that he was going to get completely moved in before he told anyone in the family that he had bought the old place. He wasn't sure what it was about this place that had drawn him the way his house did. He thought of it often, and he dreamed of it more, though his thoughts and dreams seemed to have differing opinions of the place. As he walked around the corner in the liquor store, heading toward the beer coolers in the back, he saw a man facing away from him, looking at the rack of vodka, wearing a long trench coat, with a haircut that stopped at his shoulders. Zeke's heart began pounding in his chest, and he froze in the aisle. What the fuck is wrong with me? He thought. He didn't know. What he did know was that if the man turned around and looked at him, he would... What? This man was nobody. The man did turn around, and he smiled, a toothless grin as he looked down at the bottle of cheap vodka. His blonde, not red, Hair hung down past his stubbled, not goateed, chin. The only look of determination on this man's face was the determination to get shithoused drunk. Besides, the coat was green, not black, but Zeke couldn't bring to mind why that even mattered. Zeke wished he liked domestic beer. He looked into the cooler as the cold air came out in wispy tendrils of vapor against the climate of the open door. It would be much easier to choose between a Bud or a Bud Light. Instead, he was trying to choose between Mule Stole the Barn IPA and Sasquatch Slayer Summer Shandy, and a beer with a strange-looking black silhouette of a face that either had three spires like horns or was wearing some sort of crown. Where its eyes should have been, there was a green mist. Just looking at the can gave him the creeps. And though he was curious about the shandy, he picked one of the bottles with the spooky face on it and looked it over for a name. It had none. Huh, he mumbled to himself. That's creepy as fuck, but it piques my interest. At the register, there was a man with long box braids, done up in a bun with a petite handlebar mustache. 
He met Zeke's eyes with an intense green-eyed stare. He had the expression of a person who was always smirking at some joke that no one else hears. Whoa, man, he said to Zeke. Drinking some Seeker, or the Dark Twin, as some people call it. Not sure why. Seeker's a mysterious beer, man. Strange taste, the man said as he looked away, as if there was a thought he could see somewhere over Zeke's shoulder. Oh, uh, is it good? Zeke asked, and the man just stared for a second, and then he smiled at Zeke and said, Oh yeah, bro, it's good stuff. Good choice. That'll be $19. Huh. Should have picked the $8 Sasquatch, Zeke said and handed the man a 20. Oh, well, you know, that stuff has a fun label and all, but it tastes like something people who say the word squatching would like. You know what I'm saying? Well, here you go, he said as he handed a one back to Zeke. Zeke was walking with his head down, wondering what it would be like to sleep in his old house. He wondered if memories would flood back, or if it would feel like home. Just then, he looked up and he saw the man that he assumed was homeless sitting on a bench across the street from the liquor store. The man looked up and down the street. Something moved behind his large black trench coat. Hadn't that just been green? Zeke thought. The man took the vodka and bit the head off of the bottle. Blood trickled down his chin as a long rope thrashed about around the man. No, not a rope. Oh, God. Zeke felt fear wash over him suddenly. It wasn't a rope. It was a tail. Not a rat tail or a monkey tail, but something rotten and shriveled. The man drank the whole bottle of vodka as he looked at Zeke, his eyes turning somehow to a shade of pond water green. Wasn't his hair blonde? Zeke wondered as it seemed more red in this light. The man started to get up. Hey there, a woman's voice said. You okay? You look like you just saw a car accident. Zeke looked down and saw Linda, the woman from the showing. He looked back up, and the man on the bench was just twisting off the cap of the vodka bottle. He lifted it up as if he were giving Zeke a silent cheers and raised it to his lips, sipped it, and put the bottle back into his inside pocket. Zeke? Linda said. Oh, yeah, Zeke said. I just thought that I knew that man over there. Like, maybe he was somebody I grew up with, but I don't think so. Oh, Linda said, giving the man a glance, but not staring. Yeah, that would be a little freaky. So, I'm sorry I didn't get back to you, but I just don't think I'm in the right mindset to buy. The house you showed me was great. I'm fantastic, actually, but I'm just not there yet. I found something wrong with it, just that I wouldn't have to commit to buying. I'm sorry if I wasted your time. Oh, Zeke said, finding himself experiencing a strange floating sensation as though the whole world around him was losing the rules of physics that kept everything grounded and normal. Just my imagination, he told himself. Well, that's good. If you aren't committed from the start, you'd probably regret it later, Zeke said. Linda looked relieved and smiled at him. Hey, she said, would you want to have coffee sometime? Uh, sure, Zeke said. How's tomorrow, she asked. Good, he said. I took the week off, so I guess any day is good. Going on vacation, she asked. No, just taking care of some personal stuff, he said, not wanting to tell her he'd bought the house. Not yet, anyway. He looked up and saw that the homeless man had moved on and was walking away. He felt relieved. He looked back at Linda and realized that he'd been wrong about her. She was very beautiful and seemed to once again be showing interest. 
How about later in the afternoon, say four o'clock? Perfect, she said. At Andy's? Sure, he said. Zeke pulled into the driveway and thought about how many late nights he'd pulled up into this same slab. The basketball hoop had once been there on his left and was now gone, but everything else looked basically the same. The cedar fence had held up well, though it could use another coat of stain, he thought. He went in through the gate and opened the side door the old German shepherd used to pop open, which was impressive because the handle would stick sometimes, and Zeke's friends often couldn't come in without him opening it for them. Inside, he found all of the boxes stacked up, and the house was eerily quiet. He went to the refrigerator and placed the six-pack on the shelf and took one of the beers out. Is this the same fridge? He asked himself, but he couldn't remember. He walked around the house with the ghost of his memories. Most of them were in the upstairs bedroom where he had spent the last several years of high school. He went up the stairs for the first time since moving out of his parents' house and found himself looking at an empty husk where he had experienced so much life. The previous owners had left a bed up there, but Zeke hadn't actually looked at it yet. When he showed the house to Linda, he'd let her go up there by herself. He still had the same feeling about this house, the same strange hesitance that he'd felt in his dreams. He went up the stairs, through what had once been an upstairs office, and into his old bedroom, where he found the old twin beds the previous owners had left. It was a loft bedroom above the garage, so the walls followed the A-frame of the garage trusses after the first four feet. The beds were positioned below the bedroom window, which gave him a strange sense of deja vu that he couldn't place. Zeke sat and thought about an image from an old dream where he lay on his bed and Beth lay next to him, looking at him with that strange grin. He looked over at the closet and wondered about the dreams he'd had of a demon being in there. Why did he have those dreams? He couldn't figure out why. He loved this house. He'd built this house. His blood, sweat, and tears were in the structure of this home. Yet there was this feeling like he was in a place where the world was sitting slightly off of center. He cracked open his beer and drank. He pulled the beer away from his lips and looked at it with his head cocked to one side. It was sweet, or maybe it was sour. He couldn't tell. He couldn't identify any hops or malted hops or wheat flavors. It couldn't have been a lager. It was too heavy. It wasn't a dark beer, but it was definitely not a light beer. He tried to look at the color, but the bottle was black. He couldn't tell, so he did the best research he could with what he had. He drank the whole bottle went back downstairs and drank the other five while pounding down an oven-baked pizza. He woke up in a fiery sweat. My God, he thought. I didn't fire up the AC, but we've got to get better insulation in this house. He went to the thermostat, and it read 69 degrees. That was odd. He'd fallen asleep in his recliner without any covers on. He should be cold. His head pounded and he had to piss. It was in the middle of the night, but it's never too late for a hangover, he supposed. He went into the hallway bathroom and took a piss. His piss was clear as water at first. Six beers will do that to you. 
but at the last moment, a burning sensation started behind his testicles and followed the last bit of piss out of the end of his dick. He looked down and could have sworn that he had seen the last few drips were coming out green and dissolving into the water like dissipating mist. What the hell? He said into the echo of the mostly empty house as he flushed and stumbled back down the hall towards his living room. As he did, he became aware of the shadows and the stillness. He got the feeling that something was standing just inside the dark, connecting hallway that led to the laundry room. He walked quicker, his body flooding with adrenaline, his heart beginning to pound. He went into the living room, but instead of boxes, he found himself walking past the old leather furniture and the wagon wheel coffee table, as if he had stepped back in time entirely. He looked to where the antelope mountain had hung on the wall, but instead of the two horns, it had three? Not horns, spires, he thought, and something moved across the shadows. Suddenly, he felt like he needed to go outside, to get out of whatever this was. He went to the door and opened it. The steps had turned into stairs once again, but instead of passing by on the street, the man with the page line haircut and red hair was there, waiting for him. He sprang at Zeke. Zeke screamed and stumbled back. The man's hands locked around Zeke's arm, and they fell back into the door together. Fire and panic went through Zeke's body as he fell backward onto the floor. He was suddenly paralyzed and couldn't move. He wasn't in the old living room anymore. He was back in his living room at his time, waking. He thought, he hoped, not from a strange nightmare and into another, but then Beth was there, or, or something trying to look like Beth was sitting on Zeke's chest, grinning at him. And that rotted, sausage-like tail flipped back and forth behind her, a strange and happy cat-like motion that turned her grin into a promise of terrible things to come. Zeke was in his recliner, paralyzed. He could hear himself trying to moan as the man with the page line haircut walked back and forth through the house. Beth sat heavily on his chest, making it hard for him to breathe, and in the corner where the antelope's head had been stood a black figure with three spires. They were all there with him, in him, and around him. But would he ever wake from this? Linda waited at the table at Andy's the following afternoon. She was slightly anxious. Zeke had seemed nice, but a little sad and distant. She knew that feeling, as she was lonely herself, and one lonely person can read another like a book, or so she thought. What came in the door that following afternoon wasn't the man she'd seen before. Zeke came in, wearing a black leather coat and strange, fingerless gloves. He spotted her and smiled, and came and sat across from her. He kept smiling, no, grinning at her. You look nice, she said, and Zeke looked at her directly, focused, and said, Oh, you look nice too. Very nice, and continued to grin.
Well, Matt, I couldn't find whether Teddy Gorstaff is worth anything on eBay, but I see that the children's hospital is having a toy drive. We can't give something named Teddy Gorstaff the breaker of mortals' rectums to a fucking children's hospital. Also, shouldn't we be closing the lid and running the fuck away? Does it smell like mathematics to you in here? What are you talking about? Oh, God! He's in my mind, corrupting my brain! Well, at least he's not in your... I can see his soul! And it's velveteen. So smooth. Snap out of it! We've gotta run! We've unleashed some sort of eldritch horror! Some sort of eldritch horror that's... That's fun of butt sex. Wait a minute. That sounds familiar. Come on, Brett! What? Wait, Brett. What are you doing now? I am pulling off his mask, Matt. Puggles? You are... Teddy Gorstaff? You got me! <laughs> Surprise! Wait, Brett, what are you doing now? I'm pulling off his second mask, Matt. What? Oh, God. Wait, Brett? You're Teddy Gorstaff? Then, then who's standing next to... Huh? Oh, we got you, Matt! Wait, Patrick, what are you... What are you doing? I'm pulling off your mask, silly! Wait, who am I? Oh, I am the desolator of Abathkanath! Monster Born Podcast is a production of Warbox Media. This week's story was The Manor House by Matt Cummins. Good day, Monster Baiters. Brett here. If you enjoyed this episode of Monster Porn, first, let's reevaluate those life decisions that brought you here. And second, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Keep this podcast well-fed, fit, and healthy on a generous supply of human sacrifice. I mean Apple Reviews. Apple Reviews. Yeah. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up on releases. And the Normal Learns Earth webcomic. Don't follow us on Pornhub, because that is a personal account. Shop for Monster Porn merchandise at monsterpornpodcast.com slash store. Your mother will surely comment on how nicely you are dressing lately and how well you present yourself. That's it, I guess. I mean, unless you want to stick around. But I'm just going to be doing laundry. What's that? Well, okay. I, I could use the company, I guess. Cool.
door slam. <laughs> I'm sorry, my door is weak ass. <laughs> there it was. The acknowledgement. 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 <laughs> she was beautiful and. Oh, shit. She's beautiful and shit. She's beautiful and shit, dude. <laughs> Zeke was just about to sit down at his computer, but instead he stopped halfway to his seat and just stared at Zo Zoe. <laughs> now, she was just a pretty face and a friendly memory. Memory. <laughs> now that I'm saying, friendly memory. Memory. And a fond memory. Fond memory? Sure. You'd like to touch your memories, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Not a rat tail or a monkey's tail, but a, something like a rotten and shriveled what i am making up shit that is not on the page <laughs> she was very beautiful 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 oh, shucks. oh shucks. she's very beautiful is it this where he did the beds were positioned familiarly, 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 somehow, familiarly. Yet there, there, uh, yet there was this weird nose fart squeak thing that shot out just now. But at the last moment, a burning sensation started in his taint and followed the last bit of his piss out of the end of his dick. What a great line. That is quality writing. Hemingway. <laughs>